Good morning, and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Saturday, February 17th. On today's show, civil lawsuits seeking to hold Trump accountable for January 6th can move forward, and Alejandro Mayorkas speaks out for the first time after the impeachment vote. Plus, a judge orders Trump to pay more than $350 million after a civil fraud trial. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with the news that civil lawsuits seeking to hold former President Donald Trump accountable for the January 6, 2021, U.S. Capitol attack can proceed. This comes after Trump declined to ask the Supreme Court to decide whether he is shielded by presidential immunity. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about these lawsuits and what this decision means? Certainly, David. Three lawsuits have been brought against Trump by Democratic lawmakers and U.S. Capitol Police officers. A federal appeals court in December allowed these lawsuits to proceed, stating that not everything a president does or says while in office is protected from liability. Trump had until Thursday to seek the Supreme Court's review of that decision, but his legal team declined to do so. What does this mean for the progression of these lawsuits? The lawsuits will now move to a fact-finding phase at the trial-level federal court in Washington, D.C. Trump can continue to claim presidential immunity before that court, but it will be up to the judge overseeing the case to determine whether the conduct at issue was done in Trump's official capacity as president or as a candidate, and therefore not shielded by presidential immunity. The case could still eventually come before the Supreme Court. This seems to be a departure from how Trump's team has been handling lower court rulings. Can you elaborate on that? Indeed, it is a departure. On Monday, the former president asked the Supreme Court to temporarily block a unanimous decision issued last week by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals that rejected his claim that he's immune from criminal election subversion charges brought by special counsel Jack Smith. And last week, the justices heard oral arguments in a dispute over whether Trump should be disqualified from the ballot for his conduct on January 6th. What are the plaintiffs in these lawsuits alleging? The plaintiffs in the three underlying lawsuits have all seized on Trump's speech on January 6th alleging that his words led to the subsequent attack on the Capitol. The lawmakers claim that they were threatened by Trump and others as part of a conspiracy to stop the congressional session that would certify the 2020 presidential election. They argue Trump should bear responsibility for directing the assaults. The police officers claim they were hit by chemical sprays and objects attendees threw at them because Trump inspired the crowd. How have the lower courts responded to these allegations? Lower courts sided with the plaintiffs as Trump sought to have the cases dismissed based on his claims of presidential immunity. A federal judge in D.C. ruled in 2022 that Trump's statements to his supporters before the riot is the essence of civil conspiracy. The D.C. Circuit later upheld that ruling, saying that the president does not spend every minute of every day exercising official responsibilities. And when he acts outside the functions of his office, he does not continue to enjoy immunity. What's the status of Trump's federal criminal case related to January 6? 
the Supreme Court is still considering whether to step into Trump's federal criminal case related to January 6th. In his emergency request earlier this week, the former president asked the high court to pause the D.C. Circuit's ruling so he can appeal it to the justices and, potentially, a panel consisting of all the judges on the appeals court. For now, Trump's trial on federal charges that he worked to undermine the results of the 2020 election remains paused as the high court considers what to do with his emergency request. Thanks for your insights, Bella. In other political news, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has spoken out for the first time after the GOP-led House vote to impeach him over his handling of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Here to discuss this further is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about Mayorkas's response to the impeachment vote? Unfortunately, the details of Mayorkas's response to the impeachment vote are not included in the article. However, it's clear that this is a significant development in the ongoing political discourse surrounding immigration policy in the United States. Indeed, it is. And how does this impeachment vote reflect on the current political climate in the U.S.? The impeachment vote is a clear indication of the deep partisan divide in the U.S. House of Representatives, particularly on the issue of immigration. The GOP-led vote suggests a strong dissatisfaction with Mayorkas's handling of the border situation, a sentiment that is likely shared by many Republican voters. What might this mean for the future of immigration policy in the U.S.? The impeachment vote against Mayorkas could potentially influence future immigration policies, especially if it leads to a shift in public opinion or political power. However, it's important to note that the impeachment process is lengthy and complex, and it's uncertain at this point what the final outcome will be. Thanks for that update, Michael. Now, shifting gears to another political development, a judge has ordered former President Donald Trump to pay over $350 million in penalties, plus interest, following a civil fraud trial. The judge found that Trump and others had engaged in a years-long scheme to use false financial data to borrow money at lower rates. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this ruling and its implications? Certainly, David. The ruling was issued by New York Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engoron, who also imposed years-long bans on Trump and his adult sons from taking top jobs in companies in the state. The judge was particularly critical of the defendants, describing their lack of contrition and remorse as bordering on pathological. This seems to be a significant setback for Trump. Can you give us some context about the legal challenges he has faced over the past year? Indeed, this decision marks the latest in a series of legal and financial defeats for Trump. Over the past year, he has been charged in four criminal cases, and juries have ordered him to pay nearly $90 million to a writer who sued him for defamation. He is also fighting court battles to stay on some state's ballots in the upcoming presidential election, all while seeking another term in office. What was the basis of this lawsuit? The lawsuit was filed in 2022 by New York Attorney General Letitia James. She accused Trump, his company, some of his adult children, and certain company executives of participating in an expansive financial fraud. The defendants were accused of falsely inflating the values of assets in financial documents to secure better terms from lenders and insurers. It's important to note that this was a civil case, 
so none of the defendants faced any time behind bars. How has Trump responded to this ruling? Trump has vehemently denied any wrongdoing and called the decision a complete and total sham. His attorneys have pledged to appeal what they called a draconian and unconstitutional fine. Trump has also accused Attorney General James of being politically motivated. What does this ruling mean for Trump's financial situation? The ruling means that Trump has been hit with more than $440 million in combined penalties and judgments following civil trials in New York courthouses over the last nine months. The final tally will likely be much higher as the decision also ordered him to pay interest, which according to James's office, adds up to nearly $100 million. What about the other defendants in the case? Two of Trump's adult children, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump, were also defendants in the case and were fined $4 million each. They were also blocked from serving as an officer or a director for any New York corporation for two years. Two former top financial officials with Trump's company were also penalized and given bans from working in certain roles. Thanks for the insights, James. Now, let's shift our focus to a recent ruling where Judge Arthur Engoron fined former President Donald Trump $355 million for fraudulently inflating the values of his properties. This significant development has sparked a lot of discussion. Here to delve into the details is our correspondent Celeste. So, Celeste, could you explain the context of this ruling? Certainly, David. This ruling comes after a thorough investigation into the former president's business practices. The court found that Trump had been artificially inflating the values of his properties, which is a fraudulent act. The $355 million fine is a direct result of this finding. What does this mean for Trump's financial situation? Well, it's difficult to say exactly without having access to Trump's current financial details. However, a fine of this magnitude is bound to have a significant impact. It's also worth noting that this could potentially open the door for further legal scrutiny of Trump's business dealings. And what has been the reaction to this ruling? The reaction has been varied. Some see this as a significant blow to Trump, while others view it as a necessary step in holding him accountable for his business practices. Legal experts have also weighed in, discussing the implications of this verdict on future civil fraud cases. What about the political implications of this ruling? The political implications are also significant. This ruling could potentially affect Trump's political future and his standing within his party. It's also likely to fuel ongoing debates about business practices and accountability among public figures. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today on Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.